Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, episode number 58, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. Also, make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I'm joined in person by... This is Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the internet, bye. Hello world, this is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, and uh, church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. (laughs) Such a dork, uh, since I have so much room to talk. Uh, John, what'd you do in church this week? Uh, So, uh, personally, I was on rhythm guitar. uh, played uh, played some fun ones. Honestly, the set was a bit rough from uh, from my perspective. Uh, we had a, a drummer come in last minute. Uh, he, he's been with the band uh, for a long time, kind of a multi instrumentalist, um, but wasn't there at rehearsal. And so we practiced with the loops, with the drums in the loops at rehearsal on Thursday. Oh boy, um, which which is fine because they're the you know they're the studio studio drums. Um, and then it just took a while for him coming in, kind of fresh Sunday morning to uh, to you know kind of fall into the pocket. And then uh, for me, I I didn't get as much time this week to prepare as I wanted to, so I uh, uh, I was kind of glued to my sheet music until mm-hmm. like the last song of the last service, and I just set it behind me because I you know I have this notion that. If even if you're in perfect health, if you use crutches, you're gonna limp. And <laughs> uh, you know, so I put it behind and it was like, oh, well, shoot, I should have done that ten songs ago. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was it was all right. It was all right. You know, I kind of came out of it, kind of a what do we even do this Ugh, sort of uh, sort of vibe. But uh, then I took a nap and everything was a okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Sunday afternoon naps just cure a lot of things, don't they? They do, man. Um, let's see. As far as content, uh, Pastor Aaron was on vacation uh, down in the Ozarks, so we had a, a local friend of his, uh, Pastor Rosenblau something? Rosen, Rosen something Germanic. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he came and uh, taught from the uh, oh geez uh, parable of the rich man and uh, um, using and taught from that but used the theme scripture of no one who sets his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for service in the kingdom of God I think it's Matthew but I'm not certain um, and uh, pretty much teaching following and, and discipleship and uh, you know just Honest, plain and simple gospel preaching it was good stuff. Uh, what in the world? I had a thought, but it escapes me. But uh, but yeah, so it was, <laughs> wasn't that important, I guess. No, no, it wasn't. It you know, and since uh, since Aaron was gone and, and Pastor Rosen Germanic uh, led uh, led the message, uh, one of our uh, one of our elders did the uh, kind of the quote liturgy portion or the you know the prayers and the in the creeds and the announcements and the welcomes and and all that stuff and uh, it was it, you know it's always unique seeing uh, one person who's never done it before one person who's barely ever done it before kind of navigate the service uh, you know because it's something that we've done every, pretty much every Sunday forever and like but mm-hmm. when it's you in the hot seat 
you can't remember if what comes next is, is if it's time to juggle or if it's time to consecrate the elements. Like it, you just don't know. <laughs> so it was, uh, but nonetheless, it was a uh, it was a good service. Um, but the uh, the nap was good afterwards too, uh, as as you say, it does cure uh, many an ailment. What about you guys? Uh, well, I was on electric this week. Uh, busted out Cornerstone, which we haven't played in a while. Uh, nice. So I, I quite enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you did good. Well, thanks. Thanks. Uh, I only had, I think, one hiccup on a chord change. And otherwise, it was good, except for when I accidentally uh, turned off my clean boost <laughs> for the next song. And while I stepped on my clean boost, I also accidentally stepped on my tuner. Yeah. So I went to tune in the middle of a prayer transition or something. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are worse things. I was uh, back oh, oh, sure, and I, I did have my delay and reverb turned off. Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when I was a, a Line Six user, I, uh, you know, I'd run my acoustic and my electric into the same thing, and mm-hmm. uh, I. I was messing with patches before service and, and never bothered to. I, I'll just remember that this one that's named identical to this one is this one and not that one. Oh, and no. sure enough, we start playing just some super mellow acoustic jam. And uh, uh, apparently, uh, it's not appropriate for your, uh, for your tailor to run through a, uh, a Marshall Plexi. Uh, news to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at least it wasn't like the line six insane channel, I, right? Oh my gosh, yeah, the the bus, that would have been, uh, anyways, been far worse. But uh, but you you were finally back in the pulpit yeah. after a couple weeks, and yeah. uh, you were in Cancun, not on spring break, right? Uh, but doing the whole mission trip was that that was with back to back, right? This was back to back ministries. Yep, um, it was. Man, it's just refreshing. Um, I tell people all the time, I may have even said it on the podcast before, but I really come back more rested from mm. missions trips than I do vacation. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it, I, don't, I don't even really know how to explain it other than, I, I think part of it maybe is being out of the country and you can't use your phone and, you know, internet is spotty at best. And um, so you really are able to disconnect from yep. all the technology leashes but the just back to back does a such a good job of scheduling the week, organizing the week. They build in um, quiet times, devotion times, small group times. They do a really good job with debrief. Um, I've been on a lot of missions trips where attempts at debriefing what's happened in the week or the day um, have been, you know, hit or miss. But they're they're so intentional with how they do that that you you really it, it's a it's as much a discipleship trip as it is a missional serving kind of trip and um, so I, I yeah it was a fantastic week it was brutally hot brutally hot uh, I've been cold since I got back um, and it's not cold here right but it it's um, it's amazing how quick your blood thins out when you're <laughs> out in what feels yeah, like 150 degree temperatures. It's kind of funny that you say that you came back like refreshed, but 
describe when you were describing that trip to me yesterday. It's just like that sounds brutal with how hot it was, and you know, doing so much stuff and just blazing heat with no shade. And well, it 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 really is amazing. I mean, again, I, I give a lot of credit to back to back in how they do this, but you know, a typical day on a missions trip with them begins with um, breakfast. You know, they don't get you up at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the house that we stayed in, there, there is air conditioning in the room where we sleep. Uh, but the rest of the house does not have it. Um, so it, it can be hot in the main part of the house. But you wake up, you have breakfast, and then you immediately go into 30 minutes of quiet time. And they give you a devotional track to run on throughout the week. And then you go into a small group time which on our trip, we divided up the men and the women um, for small group. And so you have you have small group around the devotional uh, and then prayer together. And then you go out and you serve. And then you come back and you reflect on the day. Um, and it, the day might have been brutally hard, you know, physically, heat-wise, whatever. Um, but one of the things they talk about is how our tendency to just go from experience to experience to experience to experience and never really stop and reflect yep. on what happened mm-hmm. yeah. what what is god teaching me what you know what am i learning um and they have such such a good mechanism for helping you do that that i think that in and of itself helps me feel refreshed because Every day is meaningful. Every day is purposeful. Uh, you know, and another thing is you're not in a in the house. There's no TV. There's no you're not you're just with people. Right. You're right, you're, yeah. you're in, in like it was such a tangible sense this week of what I think the Bible intends for us to expect when it comes to Christian fellowship. Um, fellowship among Christians is really fellowship at a level that can't be experienced um, among unbelievers. It's right. really, it's really not possible. There's a spirit element to that that is refreshing, also. And so, as hard as we worked, as hot as it was, um, my soul is refreshed, and that has an impact on your body. Um, I think so. Yeah, it was a great you know, week. Yeah, brings to mind when you said for small group you separate the uh, the men and the women. <laughs> You know, back when I did uh, professional camp ministry, we called that uh, we called that purpling, or no purpling. Uh, you know, when you uh, when you separate the boy campers from the girl campers, uh, and and make sure that they don't find themselves in any situation where blue and pink would mix and make purple. Uh, so that, uh, that reminded me right away. I'm surprised you guys hadn't heard that before. Yeah, no. Purpling. I have it. That's new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and sermon wise. Uh, that was that was fun getting into Romans nine. I thought it was fun. Uh, may, maybe it's just because not because of any kind of you know like sadistic <laughs> thing in me. Like <laughs> Romans nine makes people uncomfortable, but mm. you know from the discomfort, there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of stuff mm. clicking with people for the first time. Yeah, when you really take Romans nine exegetically, right? Yeah, and I I I began the message by being pretty transparent with the church that this section of Romans 9 to 11 is going to test my resolve um, to do what God's called me to do, which is to teach his word with no regard for the fleshly desire that I think we all have for the approval of people. Um, And, you know, I think, I think um, I started with a statement, um, 
Christianity is not rooted in enthusiasm for humanity, but it's rooted in enthusiasm for God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Yep. And when you, when you get that right, it really changes your whole perspective on Scripture because you, you realize that I'm not coming to the Bible looking to affirm my own self-worth, but I'm, I'm coming yep. to the Bible looking to affirm the worth of God. And I think that appropriate approach to Scripture helps us digest better some of the things that, you know, God reveals about Himself and His plan and His purpose in His Word that are are difficult, you know. And maybe even at first, like, like R.C. Sproul was very candid about the fact that, you know, his you know, journey into Reformed theology um, was was not one where that he went into um, just with warm, fuzzy feelings all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, he, I think he even said at one point, I, I came to understand that uh, Reformed theology is true, um, and I believe that, but I don't have to like it. Uh, is, is what the way he said it. I mean, it, it's, and I think there's an. I, I really appreciated his candor about that because I think we we need we need permission to have, uh, and I talked about this too, um, conflicted worship. You know, Matthew twenty eight when Jesus met the disciples, the risen Jesus met the disciples in Galilee. It says they worshipped him, and some doubted. Um, so there was conflicted worship. You know, what in the world is going on with this Jesus who we watched die and now is risen? And I think conflicted worship can still be genuine where there's, God, I don't fully understand. I'm not even sure I like this, but you're, you're worthy and you're God and I'm not. And I think Romans 9 brings us to that place as much as anywhere else in Scripture. Yeah, and you know, that, that quote from, from Sproul is really helpful is you don't, not having the warm fuzzies for every single biblical truth when you first encounter it. However, when you start delving into that, I mean, eventually you do end up loving those doctrines. Well, that, and that's what Jonathan Edwards, yeah. that was Jonathan Edwards' experience. And, and I think therein lies a challenge to all people who would consider themselves sovereignists or Calvinists, Reformed thinkers. Um, you know, we, we ought not be cal- cavalier about that doctrine and just sort of throw that in people's face. People need time, especially if they've never been taught, they've never mm-hmm. considered the implications of a sovereign God ruling over all. They need time to digest that, and we need to be patient with them, I think, and not just say, look, this is the way it is, and you either believe this or you're not biblical. Um, I th- I'm trying to give our church room and space to be uncomfortable and still worship. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's necessary. You know, this is the first time our church has gone through Romans like this. And, um, so it, it's, it's definitely challenging, uh, but it's good. And, um, I feel like the people responded well yesterday. We got through about verse seven, didn't we? Of Romans nine. Uh, is that how yeah, far I got? Read through, I believe it was 13, yeah. what, whichever number of verse that is where it gets to Jacob. I love and Esau mm-hmm. I hated. You could feel a tension in the room when when you got to that verse. Oh yeah, it's, it's like oh God, God hates some people. What? Yeah. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure you'll clarify that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a swing at it the, next uh, Sunday. The whole, uh, I really like the the sprawl line of the wonder in that verse isn't that God hates anybody because you know if God hates anybody it's with good reason. Right. The wonder is that God 
could find it in himself to love anybody, especially with us being so rebellious and sinful and whatnot. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely true. I think we've got to, again, if you, if you come to the Bible looking to affirm your own self-worth, then statements like that in Scripture are, are going to just, I, 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 you either have to dismiss them or twist them. Uh, yeah. But if you realize that this is all about God's worth, then yeah, you realize it's 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 not just offensive that God would quote unquote hate somebody. You got to I think you got to unpack that. Oh yeah. Um, but that the fact that He would love Jacob is amazing. I think I think the sovereignty of God ties in really well with our with our topic this mm-hmm. week. Uh, it's a little bit of a heavier one, you know. As we record this on Monday, that usually releases Thursday or Friday. Um, you know, we had two mass shootings mm-hmm. within twelve hours of each other in the U.S. One in El Paso, Texas, and the other in Ohio. Uh, between the two, we've got twenty nine dead and scores more injured and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, at the 24 hour news cycle, there's something terrible being reported on pretty much all the time. Yeah. Um, so then the question is, uh, how and when and what rubric rubric do you use to determine which of these to address in a worship service? You know, if, you know, us being in South Carolina, we had that, that mass shooting at the church in Charleston Charleston. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that, definitely shook people more here than something Mm -hmm, like Columbine would because it's in Colorado, even though Columbine was obviously awful. Uh, it, it also, you know, and, you know, being in South Carolina, we've, we've had some major hurricanes blow through Mm -hmm. over, over the years. Uh, and that hits home a little more than something like maybe hurricane Katrina hitting Mm -hmm. new Orleans Mm -hmm. because it's so far away. Mm -hmm. Um, so how do we, how do we how do we even determine which ones to talk about because as we were talking about before uh, we started recording Bradley like if we if we picked out every terrible thing the news reported on mm-hmm. in a nation of over 300 million people that's pretty much all we would do mm-hmm. on a sunday morning mm-hmm. um because you know the the world is sinful and therefore people do sinful things and i'm knocking this spring again Hopefully that didn't come through on the audio. Um, it probably but anyway, did. Okay. it probably did. Um, so how do we address that? And do we address it? Sometimes you just have to choose not to, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that, John? Sure. Just having found out what uh, what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, that's our disclaimer uh, for the week yeah. is John had no idea what we were talking about going into this. <laughs> um, so well, I'm going to wait for a second. We've got some... Internet kerfuffle going on. Some subterfuge. All right, we're good. Um, well, personally, at, uh, at Christ yesterday in our 211 service, I'm not sure what they did in, in Sanctuary or 211 South, but in 211 Central, uh, it, was, uh, it was raised as uh, the issue was raised as, as part of our prayers. Um, you know, asking God for. Uh, for comfort and peace and healing. Uh, but beyond that, not much was addressed. Now, I will say that uh, that is, it is possible 
that it was only that because we had a guest liturgist and a guest preacher um, rather than, you know, our, our usual uh, pastorate taking care of stuff. Um, I think that just in general, current events can be used as a powerful anecdote uh, for a message. But as far as dealing with it on a, from a scriptural perspective, the goal being to give comfort and a sense of security and, and things like that. I mean, really, to get back to what you, what you said earlier, I mean, the only way to, to really preach that is, you know, God is love and God, God is sovereign and, and rely upon that. Lean not upon your own understanding. Uh, especially when something is timely, like a current event, it, you know, it can be really difficult, um, just from my perspective, to time it, right? Like, when do you address this? Do you address this like what, you know, there, there have been shootings on Sunday mornings before. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've, yeah. we've, sometimes we've brought them up as announcements and then also included them in the prayers, um, but you know, by then the messages are already already written. The sermons are already ready to go. Um, we have done some sermon series in the past where we kind of retroactively deal with some of these things. Um, but yeah, to uh, I mean, as someone who who is not in the preaching ministry, at least not regularly, you know, I, I don't have many wise words here. But just for my own personal observations. I think timing is probably the most difficult piece of this is do you do it so soon when people are still so shaken up or do you wait so they've had time to process it? But then, you know, if we wait, do we run the risk of them coming to their own conclusions and um, having time cast a shadow of doubt, you know, over things? Mm. Uh, Yeah, those are all answers that I I don't know. Uh, And I'm grateful to be uh, surrounded by and led by those who, who probably have the answers. Um, or at least have a better crack at getting it right than I do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think obviously um, at, the, it, it, at the bare minimum, you know, I, I don't have any position to say, yes, we should talk about this or no, we shouldn't. Or, um, you know, politics from the pulpit uh, is sometimes the logical end to some of these issues that are being addressed, and I'm not really cool with that too much. Um yeah. But I mean, using prayer as an opportunity to communicate the collective sorrows of God's people and uh, to also announce the, uh, the overwhelming comfort of God himself to his people is, is mm. probably the most basic uh, and, and probably the first step, for, I'd, I'd reckon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here at Res, we, we actually prayed for it in our volunteer rally before church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, you said that you yeah, just forgot. <laughs> uh, you said you just forgot to bring it up during the service, which there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're not commanded every single current event to pray right. for. Uh, no, one, no one would argue that it would be a good thing. Um, so does that then mean maybe it happens next week? Or would it be too old of news at that point? I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it, it, as a pastor, right? There's, um, 
I mean, I'll just be pretty, I'll be pretty candid here. I mean, there are, there are times when, um, you might address something like that and devote some time in a service because it's weighing heavy on your people. Mm -hmm. And there are questions and tension that need to be addressed, you know, not, not just from a theological philosophical standpoint. And certainly I I agree with John, uh, you know, the political tensions about these things are, are, are not something that I think the church needs to spend a whole lot of energy on. Um, but, you know, there just, I guess, from a spiritual standpoint of like, you know, we need to pray and we need we need the guidance, the strength, the comfort, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to 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 live well in a evil world where there is violence and evil and destruction going on. I mean, I think um, sometimes, you know, I had a pastor say to me one time. Sometimes people come to church and it might be the only time, and it's it's sad, but it, it's nonetheless true. It might be the only time that they really are focusing attention towards prayer or expecting to pray. Mm-hmm. And so when the church gathers, one of the reason one of the primary things that we should be doing when we gather is pray. And so when something's weighing heavy on the congregation, um, whether or not I feel like it's in and of itself something we need to spend time on, if it's weighing on my people, it it might be worth it to just mm-hmm. yeah. create some space for people to pray I mean, and for, think, for me or one of the elders to lead them in prayer about it. I mean, think about it this way. Um, you know, maybe it's a situation where, where people just don't know what to pray about. They it, It's one of those occurrences where they just can't, quote, find the words. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Doing that on their behalf, you know, taking that uh, that faux priestly role and praying on behalf of the people, you know, mm-hmm. has has some some power there uh, as far as emotional mm-hmm. power to the uh, to the congregation. Um, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, you know, we talked about this last week. The uh, the end quote goal of prayer is uh, is not to incite God or incense God to do something, but is to uh, change our will and our desires and align mm-hmm. them with His. You know, mm-hmm. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Mm. Um, I think the Bible calls us to pray in faith, and when you understand what faith is, um, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a I'm a believer that God speaks to His people, and that the Spirit leads us in prayer. And so, Absolutely. anytime, anytime we devote corporate gathered time to prayer, we should endeavor to be led by the Spirit. Um, it, we, you know, when James talks about the prayer of faith, he gives the example of Elijah and his showdown with the prophets of Baal. And you go back and read that story, and Elijah makes it clear that he didn't just willy-nilly pray that it wouldn't rain. Uh, he didn't just willy-nilly put this, you know, dramatic uh you know, showdown between him and the prophets with the altar and the water and, and calling down fire. He, he didn't just make that up. He When he prays before the altar that he's just commanded to be saturated with water, he says, Lord, you know, make yourself known and show these people that I've done all these things at your word. You know, Elijah was being led in prayer, and that is the example James gives 
for us to pray in faith. And so when, when, regardless of when we pray, what we pray about, you know, national tragedies or whatever, um, I'm not a fan of just generic Lord bless comfort, you know, people that are suffering. Um, not that that's bad or wicked, but we should endeavor to be, how is the Lord leading us to pray about this? This is a discipleship opportunity. Um, and, and so whether we devote time to it in the service because it's weighing heavy on our people's hearts, and these are the people that God's called us to shepherd, or we devote time to it because maybe it's not weighing on their minds and it should be. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are times when I think a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, um, you know, is paying attention to what's going on in the world and he comes before his people and says, look, guys, you may not be thinking about this, but you should be. Mm-hmm. And there again, we come to prayer and we endeavor to be led by the Spirit in that prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it again speaks to the heavy responsibility that pastors and shepherds have over a congregation. People who are in leadership is to, to constantly themselves be in prayer and be led by the Spirit as to what, how do we care for, you know, Paul says, to the Ephesian elders, the shepherd the flock that's been entrusted to you. Or Peter says that, I'm sorry. Shepherd the flock that's been entrusted to you. And and I think ultimately that's where, that's the space in which we make the decisions about what to devote time to in a service and what not to. You know, you you make a good point of not just having it be kind of this vanilla comfort He'll bless right. whatever, uh, but even to play off of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, obviously we wouldn't make fun of anything in this situation, but that story shows a lot of different emotions from Elijah. Like, he starts making fun of the prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, maybe your God's taking a dump. Uh, <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. Uh, which, which shows us that it's perfectly acceptable to have a range of emotions. Yes, we're to mourn with those who mourn, but there's also room for stuff like righteous anger. Yeah, uh, we It's perfectly acceptable to be angry mm-hmm. at, at the fact that such a heinous sin was committed. Yeah. Yep. Well, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of discipleship points in this. I mean, you know, my understanding, and I haven't read a ton about the details of these shootings, but my understanding is that at least one of them was, they're pretty sure was a, a hate crime, a racist um, right. attack. in uh, El Paso? El Paso, I think. Yeah. And so there's an opportunity for us as pastors and leaders to reaffirm uh, that racism has no place in the church. Yeah, we're the world's going to act like the world, and that stuff's going to happen. It's like the the California shooter who was a member of a an OPC church, exactly. And and there were some OPC guys that came out and totally mm-hmm. denounced what he was talking about with racism. Um, and with the Ohio shooter, you know, you talk about not wading into politics. Uh, and, and the irony of this situation, you had the hard right guy in El Paso, and the Washington Times is reporting that the guy in Ohio is a very staunch liberal hmm. who is who's I think he was like a, a, a supporter of, a, of Elizabeth Warren, hmm. and you know was posting had posted tweets of you know f John McCain like when he died right, right, stuff right. like that so you've got both sides both extreme ends of the American political spectrum mm-hmm. covered in 12 hours yeah. 
So mm. neither political party, regardless of your political stances, has has you know the the sin and wrath nature of humanity cornered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's you're going to have depravity when either of them are abused, and obviously we can talk actual politics <laughs> another time, even though we have before, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like what's appropriate for a Christian to hold, but just to show people are evil by nature and without mm-hmm. God's restraining hand. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Vody Bauckham who talks about, you know, why are, why are babies so small? Well, it's because they'd probably murder their parents if they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's, that's good. You know, like every everybody without God's restraining hand has has the potential to be Hitler or Stalin or Mao. Mm-hmm. It's just Absolutely. the fact that he has restrained us from exercising our full evil potential. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is not just a American issue, right? I mean, and that's oh, yeah. the, that's the political side of it is that there's a lot of talk now about gun control and all those kinds of things and I you know, I'm not saying that those aren't legitimate issues in terms of our country um and that our legislators need to think seriously about that. I mean, I I, I don't want my guns taken away. I have political views about that, but at the same time, um our our government has issues to weigh. I mean, this, these kinds of things are going to bring those debates up, but that's not the debate of the church. That's not the discussion of the church. We're zooming out and going, the world is evil, and America's in the world, um, and there are evil people in America, and what we need to be praying is, Lord, your kingdom come. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be um, praying the promises of God in Scripture that He is the God of all comfort, right? He is, mm-hmm. He is sovereign, and you know all things are going to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And that includes the shootings in El Paso and Ohio. Is that in some way, at the end of it all, though I I can't wrap my mind around it uh, from my limited perspective now, but. All things are going to be reconciled to Christ, um, yep. and 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 ultimately we're going to celebrate God's glory. And in the meantime, we weep with those who weep, we 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 mourn with those who mourn. We there's a time for dancing, there's a time for laughing, and there's a time to weep, and there's a time to mourn. And and this is no doubt for the church. Uh, in America and around the world, a time to mourn these kinds of evil acts uh, taking place in our world that are, you know, causing tremendous pain in the lives of, I'm sure, believers and unbelievers alike. And we, we, our prayer ultimately is for God to make himself known, which is really what Elijah was praying mm-hmm. um, in, in his battle with the prophets of Baal. But within that, uh, prayer is Elijah being led as to how God wants to make himself known. Right. And if it, that, that would be, I think the prayer of the church that could be prayed is God, we, we may not know how, but make yourself known, make your grace, make your love, make your mercy known, comfort those that are yours by the Holy spirit and bring those who are not yours to saving faith, um, and hope. So, um, that, it, it's it's a tough call any way you slice it, and um, it, as you know, we would probably say in all situations like this, a lot of wisdom and discernment is needed. Yeah, I think back to uh, 
Keith's sermon last week in the You Asked For It series uh, regarding politics. And, uh, you know, like Keith and I have disagreed on some political stuff that we've discussed. And, you know, even some of my views since I've discussed it last with him have kind of shifted, and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, we may even... I'm still even trying to figure out what is the best way for the church to address politics because it's such it's such a messy topic. It is. Uh, but one of his really his main point was don't be as a Christian don't be a billboard primarily for this or that position or this or that party. It's be a billboard for Jesus. Yeah. Um, so it's it's that ha- the gospel has to lead. Mm-hmm. The gospel and God's sovereignty have to be the primary point. There can be secondary yeah, points that get center. discussed. Yeah. And there are good discussions to have regarding X, Y, or Z policies. Um, but the gospel has to be front and center. Right. Otherwise, we're missing the point in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. And the Inquisition for this question, or for this week, uh, whatever, it's Monday. It's Monday (laughs) as we record. I don't know what's going on. I I need more coffee, and it's rainy here, so waking up is kind of hard today. Uh, Brad Speed asks, cake or pie? Depends. Depends, right? Yeah. I mean, does cheesecake count as cake or pie? (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) What about cheesecake? Is that cake or pie? Because it looks more like a pie, but it's called cake. Mm. But there's also, then there's like tarts and things. I mean, these are more like ancillary pastries. (laughs) I mean, mean, we talk, when we talk pie, we'll we'll talk like the one with the angled shell, right? Right. Yes. Like cheesecakes are straight, tarts are straight. You know, let's let's set some ground rules here, right? Um, John's passionate know, cake, about this. Yeah, cake. Let's let's say made with made with flour. That's the that's the basis there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, so I think I think we can all agree. Ultimately, cake is really just a conduit for frosting. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what cake is. You're not in it I for will, the cake. You're in it for the frosting. But with I the pie, say. you're in it for the filling. Yeah. Right. See, I don't know. I a good crust, man. So, with with cake, if it's like a wedding cake, not do we like need the, a whole episode like on this, John? I know. Right? So we got the sheet cake, right? Think a marble sheet cake. After everything's gone, you scrape up the leftover cake that's stuck to the little cake pan, 
Yeah. That but it's probably dried gold. out at that point. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's so much fat in that cake, dude. It, I mean, it all, <laughs> you could grease a bearing with that stuff. So see, see, go ahead, John. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, but I will say that mine would be, uh, would be pie, uh, coconut, uh, coconut cream or coconut meringue, uh, specifically. But, uh, but yeah, I'd say pie over cake most days. Um, Unless you have like a really convincing argument for this cake. Um, well, my wife's coconut cake is beyond legit, man. I mean, <laughs> I every every birthday she's like she'll bake me something. I'm like she's like, what do you want? I'm coconut cake. I mean, it is <laughs> it is God. just heavenly. Um, so today. I would say cake. I might say pie tomorrow, but today it's going to be cake. Fair enough. Brian Morris asks, uh, what is your favorite worship tune that's fallen out of the rotation at your church? And uh, he explains, we played You Are Holy, parentheses, Prince of Peace. Man, that is old school. Uh, He said, we played that today. Michael W. Smith up in the house. And it was really a blessing to sing and meditate on so many names and attributes of Christ. So, huh. Good question. Any uh, any songs that we really know, really miss? I know mine right off the bat. Now, Mighty Fortress uh, is our God because you're Lutheran. No, shut <laughs> up. Kelly. Oh, that's right, because um, you sing it every week. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> three, three times a week actually. One for each person of the Trinity. Um, now he said fell out of the rotation at church, so I'm limiting myself to what we've done at two eleven. Uh, so this is an an old one, uh, Because of Your Love by Paul Balash. That is mm. one of my favorites. God, I love me some Balash. Bro's Catholic. Do you know that? He's a Roman. No, I did not know yeah, that. I did know that. I did. Man, alive. I, but uh, he writes some good he's songs. He's one of the good ones. He's like G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> <laughs> the the I, musician version of, yeah. I, yeah because of your a hard God, call. I love that tune. Um, I mean, as far as ones that have it, I love All in All, too. You, know, you are my strength when I am weak. Yeah, you yeah. are the treasure that I seek. Oh, man. Man, man growing up in the, the Church of Christ and awesome. having that a cappella where you had, like, oh, the I, the standard chorus and the maybe, oh, I think yeah. it was, like, the men did the, the main stuff and the women did the stuff underneath. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they'd play off each other, and it sounded good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No joke about that. Yeah. Um, I think mine, I don't think we've ever played it uh, since I've been at Res, uh, but for some reason this this came to mind, and I always at least enjoyed uh, the lyrics. And maybe I'm just even misremembering things, which is always which is always possible, but Matt Mars Christ is risen uh, at my oh, last yeah. church before mm. beforehand. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that one. And we haven't played hey, it here. Still, we still do that one at Easter. Yeah, the, we have a we have a few Matt Marr ones that kind of sell, surround Holy Week. Uh, that one, and then uh, uh, prepare you the way of the Lord. We always do on Palm Sunday, mm. uh, kind of this ethereal sort of chant anthem. It's pretty sweet. What was the What was the Matt Redman tune that was based on Job? He gives and takes away. You remember that one? I was know. that everlasting God? No. 
He gives and take away. Oh, blessed be your name. Yeah, blessed yep. be your name. Yeah, did yeah, did yeah, that dude. in the Church of Christ growing up, too. Acapella. Did it acapella? Yeah, we actually, yeah, we actually pulled that one off. So I, I yeah, used to fun. love that one. Here's a fun little little meta uh, little thing for our listeners. Uh, the intro music for the Doxology podcast, that little guitar lick on there, is actually a modified version of the lick that we used to do for Blessed Be Your Name back when that was in rotation. Huh. So, well, well, you know, yeah. on Sunday, we had like a, uh, a prayer at the end after the sermon, and uh, one of our worship leaders, Zeke, busted out this old chorus, Oh, Lord, You're Beautiful. Like just spontaneously during the hmm. prayer, did you know that beforehand? I didn't. You did, you no. never heard that before? No. Um, oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek, and when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Mm. It's just an old little simple chorus that he just pulled out of nowhere. Well, it was just him on the guitar. Well, last week he busted out. Uh, I can only imagine. I heard. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take another. I'm, I'm full of side chains this morning because I haven't, obviously, I didn't know what we were talking about. But um, I'm just going to take this opportunity in front of our, our hundreds of listeners uh, to say, mercy me, really, with your remake of I Can Only Imagine. Like, all you did was, like, take your same song and just, like, put some weird, like, rhythm track in the background and it's still <laughs> just as loud and then they made a movie oh <laughs> I can't, guys oh my god okay last question and uh bradley this is one that john and i got stumped on last week we were just like oh, oh, okay. so drew smizer asks uh regarding divorce hmm. when jesus says what god has brought together let not let man not separate uh implies there does that imply that there are marriages that God hasn't brought together. Thoughts on that? And regarding the latter part of Luke sixteen eighteen, for a non-believing couple to get married, have kids, and eventually divorce, but later on the wife becomes a Christian and remarries a believer, does that mean that the second husband is therefore living in adultery? <laughs> you going to bring this up? How much time we got left? Uh, however much you want to give it. <laughs> Well, see, last week we covered everything that probably wasn't the answer. So all you need to do is say what the answer is, and then we'll end the show. It's really yeah. There you go. Well, um, <laughs> first of all, how did how did the how did he quote um, the verse from Mark? What God? What God has brought together, let man not separate. Uh, okay, I, th- I don't know if he got that out of a specific translation or sure. not, but um, the word there really is what God joins together. Um, you know, and this, you know, there's, there's so many directions we could go with this, but I'll just state what I think. And then, you know, if people want to dialogue about it more, we can, but, um, I, I don't think that there's, I know God is sovereign. He has a plan and, um, but I don't think it's helpful for Christians to think that there's just, there's this one person out there. And if I don't marry that person, I've, you know, I've thrown a, a wrench in the space-time continuum. It's you, it's like the uh, the the dream destiny type of people. It, it, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and we could talk about that more, but I'll just state that plainly: is that I, I I think when a man and woman come together in marriage and they make covenant, there there is a real supernatural uh, thing that happens there where God actually joins them. Even um, even if you know. If, 
even in the case of non-believers. Even in the case of non-believers. Marriage is God's idea. It's God's design. And um, when people come together in the covenant of marriage, God does a joining um, that is spiritual and it is lived out in the consummation of the marriage where the two become one flesh. Um, so in every marriage ceremony that I do, at the beginning of the ceremony, I, I state this to the couple and to the audience that's there witnessing this, is that God's about to do something mm-hmm. in this moment of joining these two together in in marriage. And so I think what the, the, the real point of what Jesus is saying there is what, when God does that joining, um, don't man should not separate that. Right. God hates divorce. Any way you slice it, God hates divorce uh, because he does a joining and marriage is this meta narrative that that really tells the story of God um, and and Christ's relationship to the church. It's it's a huge huge deal and um, and it's why God hates divorce. So when divorce happens, and sometimes it does happen, and you know. Uh, um, Piper and I would part ways on this a little bit. Um, Piper I, reference for the episode. Yep. Um, I, I, I do Dang, think I should have a little bell that rings every time. Yeah, I do think uh, that the Bible legitimizes divorce in certain situations, um, and and that doesn't mean that God doesn't hate it every time. Right. But I do think the Bible legitimizes it, and we could you know we could go to Paul in Corinthians where he talks about when an unbelieving spouse leaves, Jesus you know it re- himself references marital infidelity. Fidelity, um, and and sometimes divorce happens, and it's sinful. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you know, unbelieving couples divorce, and a, a, a believer becomes, or, or one of the, one of them becomes a believer, and then gets remarried. I don't think that that's a uh, adulterous situation. There, I think it, you know, a divorce could be sinful, but it you know, it's not the unpardonable sin. Uh, but that doesn't mean we sh- we we're cavalier about it ever. So I, I would say, really, that's a really really short answer to a big question. But I would say, um, you, you you need to think of it as God joining a couple together in marriage, and that is always meant to be for life. And God hates it every time it happens. Uh, when divorce happens, but sometimes when it does happen, you know, it's, it's, I've counseled couples that have gotten divorced and wanted to get remarried, you know, marry another person. And I've told them, no, I'm not marrying you because your, your, um, your whole perspective on the divorce and then this new marriage is, Mm-hmm. There, there, there is. There hasn't been a season of repentance. There hasn't been healing that needs to take place. You know, sometimes sinful divorce happens, and remarriage is not possible. Um, and we could debate whether or not God intends for those people to remain single for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I hope that makes sense. Of trying to be concise. Awesome, uh, John. What are you recommending this week? Oh, recommending for the thing I had no idea about. Uh, yeah, or or uh, <laughs> anything really. Well, the anything uh, would be a a podcast slash YouTube series ish. Um, it, it's the same content for either one. Just one has video and one doesn't. Go figure. Uh, by uh, Pirate Christian Radio, Chris Roseboro on his Fighting for the Faith platform has a new series that he's been running for the last couple of weeks called A Pirate Christian's Guide to Reading the Old Testament. Yes. Uh, 
That, it, I've, is, I've been uh, listening to that too. It's really, really good, um, and it reinforces what we've harped on here. Uh, you know, so often is that uh, you know <laughs> our our favorite Matt Chandler quote. You know, you're not David. The Bible's not about you. Mm. Um, you know, this is uh, this builds uh, upon that that realism. Uh, or, or that truism, rather, and, and says, you know, the Old Testament points to Christ. The New Testament points to Christ. The Bible points to Christ. Read it. Uh, it's, uh, and, and it's done in a way that has a lot of the tongue-in-cheek humor that I know that, you know, Cody, you and I enjoy, uh, and that I'm sure all of our listeners would, would enjoy as well, just from Chris Roseborough's sense of, uh, of kind of bombasticism. Uh, so, yeah, go check that out. Yes. Uh, Bradley, what you got? Oh, man, I... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, one no. too many mojitos there. Uh, Reverend. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go first, and then if you go can ahead. figure it out, then fine. Uh, since since we just started Romans night, I'm going to recommend uh, James White's Romans nine debates, mm. um, where where he debated Leighton Flowers of I think he's at Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary mm-hmm. and that of right. Soteriology 101 Infamy. Um, as well as Steve Tassie, who is a Calvary Chapel pastor in California. And the debate was supposed to be, um, you know, the opening statement would be, let's exegete Romans 9 top to bottom, all right? And so James White does it, and then the other two guys, like, they just couldn't do it. Hmm. Um, so I thought it was I thought it was pretty telling, you know, between the the two positions hmm. of yeah. you know reformed or Calvinist or whatever hmm. you want to call it, Dordian, if you will, um, and then the non-Dordian, where you just have to chop it up. And uh, there's there's a fairly famous exchange, uh, at least for debates in in the theological realm, where uh, White asks Flowers, so would you use the same exegetical methodology in determining, you know, things like election and all of that as you would the deity of Christ? Mm-hmm. And he goes, um, no. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, as, as white likes to say, inconsistency is the first sign of a failed argument. Mm. And, uh, yeah. so they're, they're honestly kind of dumpster fires, but they're really instructive. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't, uh, uh, They're also I, three I, hours I, long, so it's definitely good to have that going in the background while you do something yeah, else. Yeah, <laughs> I've never listened to that. I'm going to have to do that. Um, we had one of our listeners was asking about um, what devotional theological aids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that. And I, I, I think I posted something, just recommended some authors or whatnot. But um, one of the things that I really enjoy, and it's it's been helpful to me working through Romans nine through eleven, is John Piper's look at the book. Have y'all have y'all mm-hmm. watched any of those? Yeah. Um, it, it particularly for somebody that just maybe wants some help in their devotional reading. Um, you know, Piper. Piper does exegete there, um, but he does it in a very accessible way um, that I think is helpful for just reading and understanding Scripture in general. And there, that's a growing library on DesiringGod.org of um, 
you know, Piper, if you haven't watched it, it's a, uh, they're, they're really short videos, about eight to 10 minutes each. Mm-hmm. And he puts the, the text on the screen. You never actually see him. And he has some sort of technology where he can write and connect dots, um, while you're watching him do that and dissect the scripture. It's like a telestrator. On it, a exactly. Game. Exactly. It's like a telestrator. And, um, it, it, I, I would recommend that for devotional purposes. And you can also, there's a podcast you can descri- subscribe to as well um, on you know, all the channels that you would do that. Very cool. Nice. Well, hey, real quick, speaking no, of our... Mind. Whoa, I'm not going to ah, outro. Gotcha. <laughs> there's that old internet delay. Um, Bradley, I showed this to, uh, to, to Cody via, uh, via text message. Um, but uh, when I was at the uh, the convention down in Tampa, you know, we had a service on Thursday night uh, as a kind of um, commemoration of the of those departed, you know, servants of mm-hmm. uh, of Christ within our Senate who had, who had passed in the last three years. It didn't have anybody and, that was still alive like the Mets did with their '69 no. World Series team, did it? <laughs> no, um, we there was there was something yes it did it did now that you say something the <laughs> next day um president of the senate uh, matt harrison stood up and said hey by the way we have a a correction um from yesterday's commemoration service um uh pastor you know whatever going bob thomas or whatever he's uh, actually right infor- over here <laughs> has informed us that he is uh, that he is very much alive um but nonetheless appreciates your prayers um Anyways, uh, they did a video thing, and they showed pictures when they were available of, of those who had gone. And, uh, and Bradley, this one popped up. Oh, wow. You want to know what his name is? What's his name? His name is Michael Piper. That is Re- John's cousin. Really? So, for our listeners who haven't just seen that, uh, it is pretty much a Pretty much young, a dead ringer. Yeah, it's a dead ringer for John Piper. Just wow. a little bit. A little bit younger, wearing a collar, which is yeah. which is neat, and with a slightly slightly more you know kept up hair, you know, yeah. or <laughs> hair in general, hair in general, um, yeah. And uh, except he's holding a Lutheran service book in this picture, so you know that's it's not wow. the actual John Piper. Uh, apparently, uh, this guy is uh, uh, was John's cousin um, and uh, passed away uh, after many years of service to Christ in the church and. Uh, uh, even though uh, we bring him up because he's a spitting image of uh, of our good old Johnny Boy, uh, we certainly <laughs> thank God for his uh, his service to the church, uh, as we do for all faithfully departed. <laughs> Bra- what, what, what's happening? Bra- Bradley, what are you doing? Bradley just got up and like ran oh. over to a trash can. Oh yeah, we are at nine percent battery on your computer, aren't we? <laughs> I thought he was heaving. <laughs> yeah, John John thought he he doesn't for our listeners who can't see anything, Bradley just popped up and ran across the room to grab his phone charger. John apparently like thought that John thought wall, that you like were getting up desk. to like throw up everywhere or something or, you know. I mean, you Ron have been in Mexico. Or something like that. <laughs> Don't drink the water. Um, so <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review for this extremely professional recording. Uh, support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money and help us improve, as I'm sure you've heard recently in the first five people who pledge to donate $10 a month for a year. Get a Piper Drive version, too. We have one more of those left. 
Uh, make sure you hit us up, westminstereffects.com, to uh, sign us off. Here's my cover using the Edwards Overdrive version 1, even though the version 2 is still pretty similar, and the Augustine clean boost of They're There by the Wonder Years, which may be the saddest band on the planet, but they're still really good, so I covered their song. So here you go. Thanks for listening. I love that song, though. Later. You're just trying to ruin